Shirts fans to episode number 203 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Want to start the episode by giving a big thanks to everyone who tuned in to any or all of the three episodes that we did last week. This, of course, is typically a five episode a week podcast. That's kind of the gimmick here, you know, Locked On, your team every day. Uh, but last week I was away, so what we did was we just had three episodes. I recorded all of them on Sunday and Monday, so it's actually been a while since I sat down to record some of these episodes, but again, a big thanks to anybody who tuned in last week. And for this week, uh, barring any strange, unforeseen circumstances, we're going to be back to uh, five episodes, so this will be obviously the Monday episode, and we'll just continue throughout the week giving you guys a brand new episode every single day. And today, we're definitely going to be talking a little bit about the NHL awards. Uh, there's a special that will air as 6.30 p.m. tonight on the NBC Sports Network. It's just a half-hour special, and the league is going to announce uh, the winners of several awards. And as most of you know, Artemi Panarin is up for the Ted Lindsay Award as well as the Hart Trophy. He will be going up against Nathan McKinnon and Leon Draisaitl in both of those awards. We will see what happens. We'll break that down uh, in just a little bit for you guys here. Uh, also, a little bit of sad news on this episode as well. Uh, a pair of former New York Rangers Bob Nevin and Al Langloy each passed away since our last episode. Uh, Nevin actually passed away earlier today, uh, Monday morning here, and Langloy passed away on Saturday. So we'll talk a little bit about each of these guys and their respective NHL careers, as well as their contributions to the Rangers. Each of them played with the Rangers as well as uh, several other NHL teams. But first, I wanted to start with a quick update on the Stanley Cup Finals. Obviously, the Dallas Stars took Game 1 Four to one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lead the series one game to nothing. Anton Hudobin was basically ridiculous. I was still away when this game happened, so I didn't really get a chance to sit down and watch it, you know, from the opening face off all the way to the end, but I did see highlights, and it, again, it was basically the Anton Hudobin show. I mean, you talk about a guy who basically has just been, uh, you know, a very average run-of-the-mill goalie throughout his NHL career, but he has really kind of flipped the script here in the playoffs, and that's the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs, really any sport, but I think especially the Stanley Cup playoffs is that anybody can be a hero, and thus far, uh, he is the unlikeliest of unlikely heroes throughout the Stanley Cup playoff tournament. Obviously, if the Stars win the Stanley Cup, then he's going to be in serious considerations for the Conn Smythe Award. In fact, he'll probably get it. I mean, when you consider how well he's played throughout these playoffs, uh, but obviously a long way to go. We got game two tonight. We'll have the NHL awards show at 630 and then game two starts at eight o'clock. So definitely looking forward to watching uh, some Stanley Cup playoff action tonight. And, you know, I'm kind of pulling for the lightning anyway, as I've talked about on here. I'd really like to see Ryan McDonough uh, get a chance to lift the Stanley Cup, even if it is not with the New York Rangers and if the lightning win the cup. He will indeed do just that. So, Fingers crossed for the Lightning to pull out a, uh, a win tonight, but also I just want to see a competitive series on top of that. So yeah, definitely uh, pulling for the Lightning a little bit in this game tonight. Hopefully they even the series up and we get ourselves a, a pretty epic Stanley Cup Finals here. And the other big update that the NHL has kind of given over the past few days since we talked last is that they are planning on going forward with a typical 82-game regular season for next year. 
Uh, I don't know exactly how that's going to work because, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast as well, but, you know, you've had this Stanley Cup playoff tournament, the 2014 tournament, and I think the NHL has really done a nice job there. I think they really deserve a lot of credit. Still no COVID cases, you know, through all these weeks and all these different rounds of the playoffs and, you know, from 24 teams down to two, and we've gotten through this without anybody getting sick. Uh, just a phenomenal job by the NHL uh, setting up making these players feel comfortable, basically, as comfortable as you could feel uh, given these bizarre circumstances that we are living in right now. And again, we've got at maximum just six games left in the NHL season. And for nobody to get sick throughout this whole thing, uh, it really speaks volumes of the job that the NHL did here in preparing for this, getting everything set. And uh, again, just putting these players, making them as comfortable as they could possibly make them. I think a ton of credit also goes to the players because you haven't had anybody, uh, at least to my knowledge or to the knowledge of the general public here, you know, violating protocols going out and getting into trouble or anything like that. Uh, obviously, everybody doing their part to make sure the Stanley Cup playoff tournament goes off without a hitch and that we get ourselves a Stanley Cup champion. And, you know, again, barring any unforeseen circumstances here, it certainly looks like that's what's going to happen. But for the 82-game regular season next year, I don't know how you would do that. I mean, if there's travel involved, obviously the risk of a COVID outbreak increases. But by that same token, I don't see how you can ask these guys to be in a bubble for an 82-game regular season plus four rounds of the playoffs. I mean, again, it's one thing to ask guys to do this uh, for this 2014 playoff tournament that is ongoing right now. Of course, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals, but you can't ask somebody to do that for, uh, what is it, like six months? I mean, that, that's insanity. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, you know, the NHL did a great job with this, and hopefully there will be uh, good protocols set in place when the next NHL regular season kicks off. We'll see how the NHL chooses to go about it. Uh, as of now, nothing is really known as to how it's going to work, but we'll obviously keep our eye on that. The NHL obviously still kind of kicking around some ideas and just trying to come up with a way that next season can go off without a hitch, as this season, this postseason, has gone off without a hitch. So we'll see what happens there. The other big news is the playoffs will go back to their typical format. 16 teams get in. There are four rounds. All four rounds are best of seven. I am completely 100% in favor of that because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I know this year, obviously, we had to do something a little bit different. The remainder of the regular season was canceled. And so I don't think it would have been very fair to kind of pull the rug out from under some of these teams that were chipping away and trying to work their way into Stanley Cup playoff contention. The Rangers, of course, being among them, they were really surging after the All-Star break, and it really would have been unfortunate to have them not get a chance to complete that journey to uh, to the playoffs and be one of those 16 teams left standing. The NHL opted to go with 24 teams. You get the best of five qualifying round and then best of seven from then on. But yeah, for next season, let's go back to the format that everybody knows and loves. Uh, I'm all for it. I don't think you want 24 out of 31 or 32 teams making the playoffs every single season. This year, again, circumstances dictated that we had to do something a little bit weird and get creative here, but for next season, yeah, go back to making it at least somewhat of a challenge to make the playoffs, where 16 teams get in and uh, the rest of the teams, if you don't finish in the top 16, you don't get in. Simple as that. So I do like that, that we're going back to the familiar format, and the other big news from the NHL is that, you know, initially December 1st was going to be the target date to start the new regular season for the NHL. It now sounds like it could be pushed back to late December or even into January. And that always sounded a little ambitious, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was good to set a goal if you're the NHL of starting the next season on December 1st. But to have basically only two months between the end of the Stanley Cup Finals and the start of the next NHL regular season, that always seemed like it would be pretty difficult to pull off. Not impossible, but, I mean, think about it. you got to get through, 
you know, free agency and the draft and pretty much everything else, you know, training camp, if there's even going to be a training camp and, you know, figuring out protocols for this COVID world that we're all living in right now. That was going to be a lot to do in the span of just two months. Again, not impossible, and it's no problem that the NHL kind of set that as a goal. But yeah, I mean, it kind of always just felt inevitable that it was going to get pushed back at least a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. We do have a quote from Gary Bettman. He says, I anticipate playing a full season next season, 82 games, full playoffs. How and when we do that is something that we don't all have enough information to make any decisions, and anything would just be sheer speculation. Our goal is to get back to as greatest sense of normalcy as possible under whatever circumstances are presented. As far as fans are concerned, it sounds like the NHL is currently planning on not having any fans in the arenas uh, when next season starts, although it could get to a point where there's a situation where you have limited capacity. Obviously, uh, you don't sell every ticket in the arena, but you could have a limited amount of spectators and fans in the building in attendance. And then the NHL also sounds hopeful that as the season progresses, maybe they could start filling up the arenas more and more, maybe even get to a point where you're at max capacity. But it's kind of hard to know what's going to happen right now. And here's one last quote from Commissioner Bettman. There is still so much we don't know. Nobody can tell me whether or not the border between Canada and the United States is going to be open by a certain date. Nobody can tell me what the state of COVID-19 is going to be. Nobody can tell me whether or not our arenas will be able to have either socially distanced or fully occupied buildings. And those are all very good points. Obviously, it's very much touch and go right now. And we as hockey fans just got to keep our fingers crossed that, you know, first and foremost, that covid basically goes away and we beat this thing together and we come out of it uh, stronger than ever as a society. Sports are obviously very secondary when it comes to something like this, but you know, if these sports leagues and the NHL included are going to press forward with the start of the regular seasons in the upcoming year, then hopefully that goes off without a hitch as well. And hopefully it goes as well as these Stanley Cup playoffs have. We'll just have to wait and see what happens and what protocols are put in place by the NHL as we approach next regular season. Okay, as we talked about in the intro of the episode, the NHL tonight at 6.30 will be announcing the winners of the five final NHL awards on NBC Sports. You'll definitely want to tune in for that as Artemi Panarin is up for a few awards. He is nominated for the Hart Trophy as well as the Ted Lindsay Award. He'll be opposed by the same two players in each category. They are Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche and Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. And Panarin recently commented on being nominated for the Hart Trophy. This is what he had to say. I'm really very surprised to be nominated for the Hart Trophy. Even after the season was paused, I never even thought I would be nominated for anything. So it's very important for me and very surprising for me, but it's much more important for my relatives and my loved ones. And so, yeah, he's obviously, you know, playing it very modest, but he 100% deserves to be nominated for these awards, if not be the ultimate winner, because look at the season he had, and he did it with expectations sky high, his first season in New York, supposedly joining a team that was mired in the middle of a rebuild, and yet he goes out there every night, and he's always on the score sheet. I mean, you could not keep this guy off the score sheet for a night. If you did, you obviously had a heck of a night as an opposing uh, team. But if you need a little bit of a refresher on his stats, as well as Dreisaitl's stats and McKinnon's stats, I'll give it to you real quick here. We've talked about this quite a bit on this podcast, so I'm not going to go on and on about the stats forever. But I thought a quick synopsis would definitely be appropriate with obviously these players going to be finding out tonight if they win one or both of these awards. So for Panarin, 32 goals, 63 assists, 95 
points. He had a plus 36, and I'm not the biggest plus-minus guy. I've talked about that before on the podcast as well, but Panarin has a very sizable lead on his fellow finalists. We'll get to more of that in a second. And then we've also got Leon Draisaitl, 43 goals, 67 assists, 110 points. So he does have a 15-point lead on Artemi Panarin, but Leon Draisaitl was a minus 7. And again, as I literally just said, I'm not the biggest plus-minus guy, but I don't know. I mean, should somebody who wins the Hart Trophy and or the Ted Lindsay Award have a minus? I mean... That suggests that when you're out there, your team has given up more goals than you've actually produced. And that's despite Leon Dreisaitl directly having a hand in 110 different goals that the Oilers scored this season. And somehow he still comes up as a minus. So, yeah, I'm not going to completely ignore that if I'm one of the voters uh, for one of these awards. And I think it should definitely be taken into consideration at least a little bit. I'm not saying it should cost him either or both awards, but you got to at least look at that, especially when you've got Artemi Panarin's a plus 36 and Dreisaitl's a minus 7. But then you've also got Nathan McKinnon, the third and final finalist, uh, 35 goals, 58 assists, a total of 93 points. So just two points behind Artemi Panarin. Nathan McKinnon was a plus 13 this season. So we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, fingers crossed. I want to see Panarin win both these awards, but the one I really want to see him get is the Hart Trophy because, I, first of all, I think it's a little bit more prestigious than the Ted Lindsay Award. It's a little bit more uh, well-known. It goes to the MVP, and the MVP is a huge award in hockey and a huge award in really all sports. And I do think it's a really important distinction between the most valuable player and the flat-out best player. And when it comes to these awards, the Hart Trophy goes to the most valuable player. That doesn't necessarily mean the best player in the NHL. It could also mean the best player, but it's the player who is most valuable to his team. The guy that if you take him away, your team is in big trouble. They lose a lot. They might not even be able to recover from it. They're just simply not the same team without that guy in the ice. And to me, that describes Artemi Panarin more than it describes Leon Draisaitl and more than it describes Nathan McKinnon. Now, look, you take Leon Draisaitl away from the Oilers, obviously it's really going to hurt them. You take Nathan McKinnon away from the Colorado Avalanche, obviously it's really going to hurt them. But again, Artemi Panarin, you talk about valuable, okay? And this is a guy who, again, played his first season with the New York Rangers. Expectations are sky high. He's out there for most of the season with Ryan Strom, a total journeyman who's kind of just bounced from team to team to team, and Jesper Foss, who, I mean, we all love Jesper Foss. If you're a Ranger fan, there's a very good chance you're a very big fan of Jesper Foss. We'll see what happens with him uh, being an unrestricted free agent this offseason. But those are your two line mates. And, and Foss, you know, for the most part, has been a bottom six guy, an extremely hardworking player. But, you know, for Panarin to do what he did with those two guys as his linemates and get a career season out of Jesper Foss and get a career season out of Ryan Strom and even Tony D'Angelo. Look, I realize, you know, Panarin's not always out there with D'Angelo. Panarin's obviously a left winger. Tony D'Angelo's a defenseman, but those two linked up for quite a few goals this season. And this was Tony D'Angelo's true breakout season. I think Artemi Panarin really played a role in that as well. So, you know, Panarin up and down the Ranger lineup, he just made everybody better. So to me, that's what being a valuable player is. And that's why Artemi Panarin should win the Hart Trophy for Most Valuable Player. Now, the Ted Lindsay Award, that's a little bit different because that goes to simply the most outstanding player in the NHL. And listen, Leon Draisaitl beat Artemi Panarin by 15 points. He had 110. Uh, Panarin had 95. So if you just want to go by points as far as determining the most outstanding player, uh, maybe Leon Draisaitl is your guy because Draisaitl with 110 points... He was actually the only player in the NHL to eclipse the 100-point plateau this season, and the next closest guy to him was actually his teammate, Connor McDavid, who had 97 points. So Leon Draisaitl had a 13-point lead on 
the guy with the second most points in the NHL. So if you want to give the Ted Lindsay to Leon Draisaitl, I can live with that. Uh, but to me, Artemi Panarin, I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit biased. Maybe we're all being a little bit biased as Ranger fans. We want to see Artemi Panarin win this award, but I really think he deserves it. I don't think there was a player, again, that was more valuable, and that's a key word. Artemi Panarin was more valuable to the Rangers than any other player was to any other team. So give me Artemi Panarin for the Hart Trophy for MVP, if Dreisaitl wins the Ted Lindsay, I'm cool with that. And as I sit here and say this, obviously what's going to happen is Nathan McKinnon will end up winning both awards probably. But that's fine too. I mean, look, I can't go crazy no matter what um, because they're all deserving. They're all very deserving this award. I think the NHL did a great job picking these guys as the three finalists and may the best man win. But man, I listen, tomorrow we're going to have something to say if Artemi Panarin does not win the Hart Trophy tonight because we're definitely going to be talking about the results of these awards in tomorrow's episode, and win, lose, or draw, uh, we're going to be talking about Artemi Panarin a little bit more and either celebrating his victories or complaining about his lack of victories tonight. So we'll see what happens, but obviously, fingers crossed that Artemi Panarin can bring home the hardware for the New York Rangers. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. As we talked about in the intro, I wanted to spend some time here at the end of the episode to pay our respects to a pair of former Rangers who sadly passed away over the last couple of days here. Uh, they are Bob Nevin and Al Langloy, and we'll start with Bob Nevin. Uh, he was a right winger, spent eight seasons with the Rangers, and he passed away at the age of 82 earlier today on Monday. The Rangers released a statement on Twitter that says, The Rangers are saddened to learn of the passing of Bob Nevin, a captain and fan favorite during his tenure with the New York Rangers. His honest two-way play and leadership earned him the respect and admiration of teammates and fans alike. Our thoughts are with Bob's wife, Linda, and his family. And uh, as the Rangers covered in that statement there, yes, Nevin was indeed a former captain of the New York Rangers. In fact, he wore the C from 1965 through 1971. He was the 13th captain in team history, and he was the captain for six of his eight years with the Rangers. And I think that's impressive in and of itself for a player to be named captain in just his third year with the team, as was the case with Nevin when he was on the New York Rangers. And I think that likely speaks to how well-respected he was in that locker room. And, you know, obviously he garnered the confidence of the Ranger franchise in the fact that they named him the captain so early uh, into his tenure with the New York Rangers. But as far as his whole career, he started with the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1957-1958, but he only played in four games that year with the Leafs. And then the season after that with Toronto... He played only two games. His first full season with the Leafs came in 1960-1961. He was a Rookie of the Year finalist as he scored 21 goals and picked up 
37 assists. He played parts of six seasons with the Leafs. He won the Stanley Cup with them in 1962 and 1963. He was then traded to the Rangers, kicking off his eight-year tenure uh, with the Blue Shirts in 1963-1964. He stayed with the Rangers until 1970-1971, and his best season with the franchise, at least going by points, was in 1965-1966 when he scored 29 goals and picked up 33 assists in 69 games. And then after the Rangers, he also played with the Minnesota North Stars, the Los Angeles Kings, and then his final season of hockey came in 1976-1977 with the Edmonton Oilers, although they were in the WHA at the time. Nevin set a new career high in points with the Kings in 1974-1975 when he scored 31 goals and 41 assists for a total of 72 points in 80 games. But in his total career, uh, 1,128 NHL games, 307 goals, 419 assists for a total of 726 points in those 1,128 games. He also skated in 84 playoff games, notching 16 goals and 18 assists. So just uh, a very impressive career. Played with a lot of different teams. Uh, the longevity was clearly there. He was a productive player uh, really ever since he got into the NHL right up until the very end there. So just a rock-solid player uh, for the Rangers as well as a number of other teams and a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So obviously he will be missed. Uh, passed away again earlier today at at the age of 82. And then we've also got to pay our respects to Al Langlois. Uh, he passed away on Saturday at the age of 85, and during his NHL career, he played for the Montreal Canadiens, New York Rangers, Detroit Red Wings, and Boston Bruins. He was actually the last Bruin to wear number four before Bobby Orr uh, basically just immortalized that number. But he was a three-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he won it with the Canadians in 1958, 1959, and 1960. Started his career in 1957-1958 and played until 1965-1966. Skated in 498 NHL games, scoring 21 goals and picking up 91 assists. But he was a defenseman uh, widely considered to be one of the elite stay-at-home defense in the NHL. Points weren't really his thing. He was a big hitter and a very popular player in Montreal, uh, known for that hard-hitting style. The Montreal Canadiens fan base, uh, shall we say, uh, not always the easiest fan base to win over, but he definitely won them over during his time with the Canadiens. Of course, obviously being a part of three uh, Stanley Cup championship teams does not hurt your cause, but he was traded to the Rangers by the Canadians in exchange for John Hanna in June of 1961, and actually he had his most productive offensive season of his career in that season with the Rangers, scored seven goals, picked up 18 assists. He played two and a half seasons with the Rangers before they traded him to the Red Wings, spent a year and a half there before once again finishing up with the Boston Bruins the following season. Uh, obviously had a very nice career for himself, didn't last as long as some others, but hey, three-time Stanley Cup champ, and obviously tremendously sad to hear that Another member of the Ranger family has passed away, uh, this time with Al Langlois at the age of 85. So obviously, our condolences to the friends and family of both Al Langlois and Bob Nevin. And hopefully his family and friends, they can find some solace in the fact that they obviously live very full lives, uh, both of them living into their 80s here. And uh, doesn't make it any less sad, doesn't make it any less tragic when you lose a member of your family. So obviously, our condolences to the family of both men, and may they rest in peace. And that will wrap up for today. Uh, if you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And the only other thing I wanted to talk about here before the episode concludes is that the 
Fantasy League that we're starting up for next season. The Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy League is starting to fill up uh, pretty considerably. While I was away, you guys were amazing. I got a lot of emails, a lot of uh, DMs on Twitter, and so the spots are starting to go. I'm not going to set a limit as far as how many teams we can potentially have in this league. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to set a limit. I don't think we can do a league with, like, you know, 32, 36 people. But I, I think we can get up to 16, 18, 20. That definitely seems doable. And if you have emailed me to date or if you have DM'd me on Twitter, then rest easy because you are in. Your spot in the Fantasy League is secure. And as next season approaches, I'll eventually uh, put together a Fantasy League. Obviously, we'll make it a private league. And I'll send out emails to invite all you guys to join the league. And we'll just take it from there. We'll try to find a draft night that, uh, that works for everybody. So once again, that's it for today. But uh, definitely get on it if you haven't already because the league is starting to fill up. So either send me an email, DM me on Twitter, let me know that you're interested in joining the league, and we'll make sure we get you in there. But yes, that will do it for today. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time.